Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Today we are joined by our very special guest, Melinda Rabine. She's a filmmaker and the manager of Meaningful Movies Project, also known as MMP, a nonprofit organization that assists neighborhoods, groups, individuals, organize, educate, and advocate using the power of social justice documentary film and relevant conversation to build positive and meaningful community and a more just and peaceful world. Melinda is inspired by the saying, great art doesn't just capture the moment, it allows you to feel it. A Tacoma-based filmmaker, she is excited to lead the network into its third decade of using films to inform, inspire, and engage communities to take on the critical and urgent issues we face as a society. In 2020, Melinda won the Meaningful Movies Project Turner Legacy Award for this film, Stories of Us, Camp Second Chance was also awarded the Audience Choice Award at the 2019 Tacoma Film Festival. She currently serves on the board for Washington Lawyers for the Arts and is a member of the Washington Filmworks Leadership Council and is a 2022 recipient of Firelight Media's Spark Fund, which provides support for established, independent, BIPOC documentary filmmakers. And Carol, I know you were very excited to learn about the work that Meaningful Movies Project is doing. Yes, Claire, it's a wonderful organization, and I'm really grateful to have you, Melinda. Well, Claire and Carol, I am so excited to be here tonight, or today, excuse me, and thank you for having me on your show. Sure. Let's get started, and you tell us about the Meaningful Movies Project, the organization's vision and mission, please. Well, a little bit of history on Meaningful Movies Project. It was founded back um, in 2003 um, by Rick and Diane Turner. At the time, their son was of the age that he could have been drafted into the war, and they were concerned. And in that search of finding information and having understanding of what was happening over in the Middle East, they um, connected with other groups or other individuals in their neighborhoods that were also, you know, concerned on that topic and other topics. And from there formed Meaningful Movies Project. And we have around 20 different groups throughout the Northwest and beyond and our mission really is, you, you said it very nicely in the introduction, it is to use social justice documentary films as a way to bring community together and to engage and encourage and support open conversations and look at ways 
to um, move forward? You know, how how can we come together as a society and grow a little closer to peace? And I think that is through understanding issues and being open to hearing other sides to things and then also taking action that can better community for all. And they really look at um, giving a voice to all different topics. You know, inclusion and diversity was at the forefront of Meaningful Movies Project since the beginning. And, you know, back in 20 years ago, 2003. Wonderful. Well, how do people get their films screened on the social justice? If you have a project with that, with a, a topic that you feel is uh, could be shown, then who do you contact and how does that work? The easiest way to do it, and um, and thank you for asking, is going onto our website, meaningfulmovies.org. There's um, there's a a link for an email address where you can reach out and contact us. And, the, you know, the, the email actually comes to me and I get the, you know, I look at all emails. Sometimes it may take me, uh, you know, a little longer than I like. Um, but um, I always get back and the filmmaker or organization, just for instance, um, Healing Us, reached out to me or an organization who knew about Healing Us, a documentary, looking at our health care. Um, reached out to me, and they felt that it's a film that would make sense to um, have meaningful movies show. And the way it um, goes is I request what you know we call a preview link or a screener's link, a private link, and it goes to our film review committee. Um, and they review it. I, you know, I'm not the one to dictate what's to be shown and what's not to be shown. We allow that. To um, be our groups, you know, our groups to make the decision. But it goes through the film review committee. They watch it, give feedback, and if they feel that it makes sense and is appropriate for the group, then it is featured in our monthly um, email that you know provides an image of the film. Typically, uh, that's the poster, a synopsis of the film, a trailer to the film, and who to get in contact and screening fees. Um, for the film, and a lot of times I'll also ask the filmmaker if they would be interested in being part of the panel discussion or the organization who's reached out to me about the film, because we always like to have a discussion following the screening of a documentary. Oh, right. This is wonderful. And is it, what platform are they using? Um, You know, it depends. A lot of, um, of the groups are using Zoom. And they're still doing virtual, you know, because we went, we had, had, you know, COVID started in 2020, and from there, all in-person screenings were stopped, and they went virtual. And um, but some groups are starting back up and doing in-person screenings. So it just depends on what the group feel that are best for them. You know, one of the things I do not do is I do not dictate to the group how to run their um, their their chapter because of the fact that they know their neighborhoods, they know what's of hot topics to them, and you know I trust them in that. I'm more of a, provide that support role to ensure that you know their screenings happen. And so um, a film again might be shown virtual, and then um, and there's great benefits to that. And then some films might be shown in person, and some venues do it um, hybrid. And when I say venues, chapters, or groups, um, they're all, 
within it means the same thing. So I didn't get the last part of that. They're all what? Well, when I say like I'll say sometimes I'll call them groups and sometimes I'll call them venues and sometimes we call them chapters. They're all they're all <laughs> the it same. Means, yes, it means the exact same thing. Just in case our listeners are like, What? Venues, groups, chapters, yeah. Okay, great. So these uh, groups and chapters are other organizations who are aligned with meaningful movies, and you so you spread the news, and they decide uh, if it fits their community, if their community would lo- like that film. So, um, so you pay screening fees to the documentary filmmakers, right, or not? Yes. Um, some of the documentary filmmakers, you know, because of what we do, because we never charge for anybody to ever come to a screening, we do accept donations, but we never charge. They're, because of that, a lot of them will waive the screening fee or give us a discounted rate, but we always want to honor um, what the filmmakers are asking, understanding, you know, myself being a filmmaker, that you know, this is a way for us to make a living, and the groups are aware of that, and they're sensitive to that as well. And then a lot of times, they will provide an honorarium to the filmmaker if that is requested. And again, it's um, it's on a kind of a one-on-one basis and what's negotiated within that group. Right. So there there is um, there is an honorarium for the filmmaker, and they negotiate that. Great. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I would think they'd give them a little more if they are also on the Q&A afterwards, right? Correct. So there's, uh, um, we would give them something for screening fees, and then if they participated in the discussion after the film, um, an honorarium. And again, it's all depending on what is agreed upon between the filmmaker and also um, the, the group itself. Right. Well, mm-hmm. what type of organizations sign up with you for this? Well, they we don't typically have an organization. They're typically individuals within a neighborhood or an area. And then sometimes they, they are also in partnership. There are some groups that are in partnership. So we have some that are in partnership with um, environmental groups. But they tend to be individuals like, for instance, um, we have a Vegas group, and it's these individuals that they are the ones organizing it, they don't necessarily, they're doing it all volunteer and, um, you know, out of their time because they believe in what Meaningful Movies has been doing, and they see the benefits within their community. But they are also a part of an environmental group in Las Vegas. So they tend to lean on showing films that look at environmental issues from a spectrum of things and then you know from how the you know what we normally think of is you know the depletion of land the contamination of water but then they also look at environmental uh, effects on minority communities and then we've got a group in Washington in southern Washington called Richfield and they are not associated with any organization at all it's three individuals, Casey, Rose, and Ernie, that have come together um, to show films in their um, city or their town um, every quarter. And the topics can vary, again, what they feel is important and relevant to their um, community. 
and they just how wonderful. So these people put it together, and then they what did they have a community screening in the town? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So Richfield does it live in person, and they work with a local theater there. Um, we have a Tacoma group who's um, been bustling, and they screen typically three films a, a month. The so one is at um, it was at a local theater. Now they're moving to um, the Center of Spiritual Living, um, non-denominational, open up for any faith um, place. Um, and then they do a virtual on screen, a virtual screening event. And then they've also have a partnership with Toby Jones um, Community and Toby Jones Houses as a place um, for senior citizens. And they show a film with them once a month as well. So it just it really depends on the manpower. Now Tacoma Group is there's a lot more people in Tacoma Group than the Ridgefield Group, um, and so it just really depends on what their capacity is, and I'm there to support them, help, you know, work with filmmakers, negotiate prices on screening fees, you know, look at um, possible speakers for the film, you know, any support they're needing, you know, I'm there to help them. So I always tell them that I'm their manager. I, I'm there to, to ensure that they feel that they're, you know, having a successful event. And then we come together monthly and we talk about, what events had happened the month before and what events are coming up. This is wonderful. Um, I think that we need to get this word out to more documentary filmmakers uh, uh, because I've never heard about this. And I'm just looking back at all the thinking of all of the docs that have won the Roy Dean Grant. And uh, so I'm going to get on my email letter later and tell all of these uh, ladies and gentlemen about your events. This is great. Yes, absolutely. We would love that. And I'm I'm working in partnerships um, throughout the community with different organizations. So, for instance, I um, have a partnership right now with POV, which is a branch of PBS, and we get documentary films from them, but we get them actually for free. Um, because they've negotiated rates with the filmmakers, and we, you know, use their use their library of films as a resource, and would love to get, you know, a, a list of documentaries, um, films that are available through your organizations, or a way to connect to these filmmakers. Right. Okay. How exciting. Yes, yeah. this is really grassroots organizations that Absolutely. care about their community. How nice. Absolutely, so, Carol. And how do these uh, people or grassroots people find you? Do you uh, have some way to market to them so they know that you were there? Well, we've been upping our um, – that was one of the goals when I came in and took on the, the role just last year is to um, – make a more a stronger presence and we're just starting to do that right now. We've got um a pretty robust social media team. So um right now they're um busy working on a, we have a first time ever co um sponsored um screening coming up this Friday with the Seattle International Film Festival. We're showing a film that looks at Ukraine and it's called Twenty Days in Mariupol and um, working also with the Ukrainian Association. So um, as a way to get our names out there um, and let people know that we're 
we're, you know, there's this group, Meaningful Movies, and these are the things that we're doing. And also to help other groups that are trying to, you know, better community and better um, society as a whole. So, yes, we are doing marketing and, you know, I'm working on that. But people can find us on our website or if you just Google Meaningful Movies Project to be able to find us. We've got a Facebook page, we've got an Instagram page, and also our website as well. And I'd be happy after this show, Carol, and to set up a call with you and figure out a way, you know, brainstorm together on how to strengthen this partnership. Absolutely. Yes. Well, we'll post for you on our (laughs) social media, but uh, there are so many documentary filmmakers out there with great docs and looking for a a way to get it in the hands of the people they made it for, which is usually local communities. So what a wonderful uh, job you have. Don't you enjoy what you do? (laughs) Thank you, Carol. Yes, I... um, this is a dream. This is honestly a dream job to have, and you know, as myself as a filmmaker, and really know the importance and the power of film. And I, I feel very fortunate every day. I feel fortunate, and I appreciate the support and the grace that my board shows me as we adventure together and looking at ways to expand meaningful movies. And you know, I appreciate you know you you ladies for reaching out to me and. Um, wanting to know more about Meaningful Movies and having me on the well, show. Well, it's, it's a great organization. Well, tell us, do you have any special events or projects that you've supported that you'd like to share with us? Um, just the one I just told you about, we've done that, or that's coming up, and we're very excited. It's, um, like I mentioned, the, our first partnership with the Seattle International Film Festival, and if you aren't aware or you People might be aware that Seattle International Film Festival is a phenomenal festival, and they've been going strong for 50 years. And they really look at, um, after the festival, they have their own theaters in the Seattle area and show films continuously throughout the year. And, you know, so we're honored to be working with them. Coming up on September 7th, we are working with the Seattle Summit, which used to formerly be the Seattle Film Summit. We're partnering with them on a um, screening block of documentary films um, at noon. And then we've got, this will be our second year being in partnership with the Seattle Latino Film Festival and also Shoreline Community College with their film department. And we'll be showing an in-person film um, coming up and that um, will be on October 12th and also collaboration with our um, 20th anniversary celebration. So we'll have an open house, invite people in the community, and then show a great documentary. And again, we partner with these organizations and letting them know that one of the important things is that these screenings have to be free to community when partnering with us. And we you know, find ways to, to have that happen because that is part of our, one of our big um, mission is that, or is that we show films to communities for free, so no one is turned away because of financial hardship. Wonderful. That's really how it should be. Now, let's change subjects because I'm very interested in lawyers for the arts. 
Very mm-hmm. few filmmakers recognize or even know that Lawyers for the Arts are there to help you. And I understand that you currently serve on the board of directors for the Washington Lawyers for the Arts. So would you tell us about that organization? Yes, absolutely. I'd be happy to share some information about Lawyers for the Arts. They're a phenomenal group of lawyers who are volunteering their time to help artists filmmakers and artists of all um, mediums providing, um, you know, in Washington State, I don't know how other states are run, so I can talk about Washington State and know that this is typically available to, uh, typically available in all states, there should be, so, art, you know, filmmakers and artists should Google that, you know, lawyers for the arts or in, in listers state name. But the way we do it in Washington State is we have a monthly clinic. It's done virtual now and it's about a week stand and going virtual has actually been beneficial for us and to be able to meet with more artists and answer questions that they might have that look at legal issues. Um, and if it's something that we, can't, we it's about a, a 30 minute complimentary clinic and if it's something beyond that, you know, if it's a bigger scope we look at connecting the artist with, you know, attorney that might do it at a discounted rate or pro bono. Um, But it's a phenomenal organization. And we also do events in community to spread the word and who we are. We we call them frolics. And then sometimes there's workshops as well where Uh artists can come and attend and lawyers as well could come and attend and it looks at a um, specific area of the law. Wonderful. Well, first of all, I mean, can you get your contracts or your agreements from these people free? Will they give you what you need? Let's say you're hiring, you know, you're hiring a DP um, or a sound person and you need a contract. Uh, So do they give you those free? They I'll I'll tell you my story. I can't speak on everybody. And again, it's to be different an organization per organization and it is um, they, they referred me where to go and to look for online contracts and gave suggestions on that um, and then um, from there eventually as my production company grew and I needed something more robust I did get pro bono support to get contracts um, created and drafted for my my um, production company. I can't promise that that's going to be everybody, but I know that they'll do their, from what I've seen and have experienced, do their best to help support the artist. Good. So it would be either starting with possibly free, but it would be a discounted rate, and right? I, I, I Again, I don't want to say that's what they will do. That was what happened for me, is that they referred me where to find contracts online that are um, making that make sense of what my needs were. Because there are a lot of online um, agreements that people can use. And they explain it, you know, why they recommend this. Um, and again, you got to, you know, attorneys have to be careful that they don't provide information where the artist or would come back and sue them, you know, that got it all that you know the yes. attorney is able to do their their job and help to support but they don't want to create a liability as well so good so it's a it's a group of lawyers who care about artists and they do give up their time 
and they're part of the organization, and they are referred by lawyers for the arts. And they're in every state, I believe. That's they what I've heard. Be. They should be. But again, it's like how robust the organization is. How you know all these attorneys are donating their time, um, and so you know some sometimes you've got a really strong um, lawyers for the arts in one state, and maybe not as strong because maybe the attorneys don't have as much time. So I would say Google it if you know within the state that you are at and look and make sure that you have one. Don't go onto a project right. and assuming that there's one. Go first research it. And then and then um, and then reach out to them and see what kind of service they provide. I'm, and I can only speak for Washington State since I'm part of their board. Okay, great. Well, now yeah. let's go into the film that you made, award-winning homeless documentary stories of us, Camp Second Chance. And mm-hmm. while making this, you spent a week uh, in a homeless camp. So. Tell us about that, because we all take so so many things for granted, running water, a mailbox outside your house, uh, et cetera, and they don't have all of these things. Sure, sure, yes. Um, I was introduced to this group when we were helping, when I was asked to help build tiny homes for them, and the the camp's name was Camp Second Chance, and they are actually – founded solely at the time and run at the time by the homeless community because they felt and they wanted better for themselves what was available to them through the um, non-profit organizations. They did not feel that they had the care and love that they could provide for themselves. And it was just they were this phenomenal um, campers that put together a camp that was supportive to what they to what their needs are, you know, they're they're the ones that are homeless. They knew what they needed to get back on their feet, to be to have that support system, so they can get back on their feet. And um, I reached when I was at the camp. I talked to the director, um, Eric Davis himself, you know, being homeless, and it said, you know, hey, I was interested. Could I come and you know get some stories? I think so many. People have their own ideas of what it means, you know, why a person is unhoused. And um, I, I think you guys are a phenomenal group of people, and I would love to be able to tell the story. Eric said, sure, if you, you want to do that. Um, when you got to be voted by our board, they had a board, and, and everybody had to attend the board meeting each week. And um, But he said, if you really want to know what it's like to – be homeless is come live with us. And I said, oh, okay. I, I, like, talent accepted. And we talked at that time and it was summer. Washington has some beautiful summers. And I just said, you know, that's not the reality of Washington state. Three months out of the year, we get some really phenomenal weather, um, maybe four. And, um, and then the rest, you know, it's overcast. It's gray. It's drizzly. It's windy. It's chilly. It's cold. And, I made the decision that I wanted to film it in our typical weather and um, was wondering what it would be like to experience being unhoused during the holiday season. So I picked Christmas, and um, I had a phenomenal, really small group of guys who said, well, we want to join you, Melinda. We want to support you on this. And they didn't – they stayed one night, but I stayed the whole time, and I said, please – 
don't stay with me in the beginning. I, I want to get to know these residents. I, I, wanna, I want them to know me. And um, I stayed in their community tents. I talked with them. And they knew what I was, you know, who I was, what I was about, what I was doing, because they had to vote me in to stay at the camp. And, and, and they helped, helped me with my tent and everything. And, Wonderful. And I just, yeah, I just approached them like I would approach anybody else and just talk to them. I, didn't, um, I really didn't talk to them at that time at the beginning when I was getting to know them about how they became homeless. I just, I, what do you like? What do you do? How are things here? And, and said, hey, you know, if you're interested, I would love to talk to you. You know, my team's coming on. I think we actually came on Christmas Eve to do interviews, and we stayed on Christmas Eve night. And um, the camera guys, James, James, and Levi, woke up on Christmas Day with me, and we celebrated Christmas with them. And um, I was hoping to get three or four people to do the interview, and I got 12. Wonderful. Um, yeah, and it's for – it's originally going to be an eight to ten minute little short doc. It turned into a 15 minute documentary. And it has been used in communities as a way to open up conversations. And these people are phenomenal. Everybody's got a story. And there's not one story that is identical to another person's story. And I think we need to remember that when we see someone that is struggling. And, and when we struggle when we are housed we tend to have the comfort and luxury to struggle in the privacy of our home. You're seeing these people struggle right out in public view. And I think you have to look, if we're willing to look at it in a different mindset, I think we would see how powerful and strong these people are. And you see them struggling with their mental illness. You see them struggling with their drug addiction or their alcohol addiction. And some are not struggling with any of that at all, but just, a need to be seen, loved, and heard. And I think, have we thought about how we see someone holding a sign? Do we look at them and see, wow, how strong that they are, that they are willing to say, I am at the lowest of my lows. Can you help me? I am here. I'm exposed to you in public. Will you not judge me but help me? And time and time again, every person I interviewed said, the greatest thing you could give me is just acknowledging me that I exist and I live. And I'm like, this is the least we can do. We could just show someone a smile and say, I see you. You don't even have to give them money. And if you can't do that, by all means, please don't curse them, don't spit at them, don't judge them. Just walk away then. Right. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much. Now, mm-hmm. uh my friend Tommy Adams has been working with a, uh, he's a Chumash Indian who lives here in Port Wainimi. And he mm-hmm. uh, worked on a farm all his life. And the owner of the farm took care of he and his family because he had been there since he was a kid. Yeah. The owner dies. The son gets the property, throws them off in a, mm-hmm. uh, with 30 days notice. Mm-hmm. And the That's mother easy. gets, thank God, a... Um, as housing support but then the mother dies leaves the two sons and they're on the street and they don't drink they don't smoke they have no vices they're lovely people uh he spent almost three years now helping him he's at least he's got him into a temporary place to live mm-hmm. but he's 
this is every week of his life he has spent yeah. to take this person from homeless to into a place. He had to get him a, a address so he could get a bank account. And the right. girl, he went to the bank with him. They didn't want to take his account. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much against homeless people that I don't know how they ever climb back out of it. Yeah, and you're right, Carol. There's a lot how society set up that doesn't allow them. It makes it harder for them to succeed, right? You get into this, like, spiral that just keeps going down and down. But that was one of the great things about the camp is that they actually had an address. So people could get their mail. People could, you know, they, they... Right, they would tell them about the bus system. If they were on medication, they needed their medication. They could get that. They got the support from other campers who, or have experienced it or are experiencing it. They just have this support system that is is in a, it's different than a support system from a nonprofit. Who a lot of these people are, you know, you're a, a case, you're a file, unfortunately. Um, but within the right. camp, you are a person. And your name is, you know, your name is Susan Brown. And you have this, you are, you know, schizophrenia, but there's someone else in the camp that has schizophrenia who's gotten their medicine, who's, you know, back on track, who's applying now for jobs, you know, who's getting the mail, who has a a bank account set up so they can get the checks that they need to get. Um, And, you know, I... They're, they really want to participate in society. They want to be a part of society. But so many <clears throat> voices in society have said that you aren't a part of us. And they, society has dictated who they are and how, what they're, and that mindset gets set in. I mean, I was only experiencing it for a week and I was already feeling ashamed and embarrassed. We were going to go get some coffee and I didn't want the barista to know I was homeless. Yeah, I, you know, I've been wearing the same clothes. I hadn't showered. Of I course. think I might have combed my hair, you know, and and that was only a week. And you wonder, like, do I, am I smelling? Now imagine that's a stretch out of time of six months, oh. you know, three years, two years, six years, 20 years. And you, they need a support system like an AA of coming together, talking about these experiences. Yes, get them housing, but they need more stuff beyond housing. They need to talk and share about these experiences and hear from other people how they got through it and what they're doing and to lean on. You know, when you have a hard, when you've gone through trauma, you know, typically you have someone you can turn to. They need that themselves. They're going and or have experienced trauma. And I think we forget about that component, that they need that component as well. There are groups in New in Tacoma. There is an organization, um, United, <clears throat> or excuse me, United Ministries, and they actually, you can get a mailbox through them. They'll oh, take their wonderful. mail. Yeah, and they'll, they'll get, their mail can come to them, and then they come, they have hours throughout the week where you can come and get your mail. So there are, you know, some organizations that work, with the unhoused or homeless that provide that service. It's just a matter of finding out which ones do. And, yeah, so important. A wonderful job you've done to get in and know who they are and experience their problems and and their shame and then all of these emotions. Well done, Melinda. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I, I 
I don't want to take up all the time, but I, I with this one film, I want to go to the new film or the one about Cuba. Uh, now, you made a film on the uh, their uh, riot or their uh, their protest for inhumane rights. Uh, so tell us about that film and what uh, tell us the what the inhumane uh, problems were in Cuba. We don't hear enough about that. Sure, absolutely. And just real quick about stories of us, um, and I appreciate you know your your um, support. And I just want to put it out there: anybody could have anybody could do what I did, and, and just simply talking to someone, just ask. Don't necessarily press for their story, but just saying hi and, and introduce yourself. And I think you would be surprised how much you would learn. Um, and in regards to AO3 Team Libertad, which translates, they scream freedom. Um, I, I started to see on social media cries for help, um, and it wasn't, you know, I, I'm connected on different uh, social media platforms that are um, Hispanic, Latin platforms, and I was seeing these people crying out and seeing various different things that we don't even hear about what's going on in Cuba and seeing their living conditions, their their um, medical conditions, food conditions, and and then, you know, also digging deeper and seeing that there was a nationwide, I'm talking nationwide throughout that island on July 11th, 2021, protests where people came out to the streets peacefully. They had no guns, they had no weapons, because they don't have access to that. It was all, it's all taken away um, from their government and just crying out for libertad, crying out for freedom, not crying out for food, not crying out for medical um, necessities, which they absolutely want and deserve, but crying out for the freedom that they were promised 60, now four years ago, and believing that they would have it through, you know, Fidel's regime and, and never to this day has had it. And um, I ended up getting a connection on the island and the person was willing to tell his story and to share with me what's going on and footages of what was happening. And I also shared the hundreds and hundreds of brave Cubans that went to social media as our last resort and pulled their stories and, and put them in the film to, you know, to shed more light and to support what our narrator was telling us. And, um, you know, I think we don't know as much about what the life on the island is like um, except through what their government is sharing. And you've got to remember it, it's a government like all governments, and we, they want to find the brightest light on their accomplishments. But unfortunately, their accomplishments don't seem to trickle down to the masses. And, um, and those voices we're not being heard. And I hope through this film that the, their voices will get heard and that it will get heard to higher powers that can do something and that, you know, I'm hoping it's the UN. And um, I think we as a whole, when I say we as a society, we need to be mindful. We need to be mindful of who we're doing business with, what organiz what countries we're doing business with. And I, you know, I, I don't think that's at the forefront of a lot of these corporations. And where are the money going? Are they really going down to the people that, you know, that should get the money? And how, how, are, how are the networks set up within a government? And um, I know maybe it's like, oh, that's ridiculous, Melinda, to even propose that, but, 
if you are a corporation that can make a difference in people's lives and you are not hurting and, and you're still making a profit and you get these small organizations who are being very mindful, you know, like Patagonia isn't small, but they're mindful of how they do business and how they conduct businesses and what they use their funds for to go back to the environment. Why can't bigger corporations also do that? And it can make a difference in the lives of people. When I'm talking making a difference, I'm talking about human condition. And we have to, have to put human lives and the conditions of human lives at the forefront of what we do. We are already seeing how our environment can no longer take and sustain how we're living. And that means that eventually, you know, I believe that human life can go and extinct in a crazy and profound way. We've seen the wildflower fires that are taking hold of, you know, my, um, uh, Maui, uh, Washington State's experience in California, you know, We've got tornadoes that are coming up that have never, you know, places that have never had tornadoes. We have profound um, droughts that are happening. We're having soils that are not able to reproduce the way we are doing farming. And the wisdom and the knowledge is out there. We just have to be willing to change how we're doing things. We have fossil fuels that are calling natural gas natural gas when it's not, and you're digging and you're, you're digging into the depths of um, the earth to to force out um, uh, uh, fragments to create gas, and we just can't sustain life this way. So, anyway, sorry, right. gone on the, uh, Very well on said. No. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, tell us, tell me, where's the film now, and how can you, uh, how can people screen your film on Cuba and the homeless? Um, so, you can look at, you can find my information, Melinda Ray Line Films. Just Google. There's um, information how to get a hold of me. There's links to the different films or trailers. Right now, um, if you're interested in viewing or screening the homeless documentary, you would reach out to me, and, and you know we I would work with you on what your budget is for the screening fee. With the Cuba documentary right now, it is just starting on a film festival circuit. It had its world premiere at the Social World Film Festival in Italy, Vico Quince, a great festival, phenomenal festival, and it won, um, or I received the award for Best Director. And it's Wonderful. Being, thank you, thank you. Um, it's being screened throughout Washington State in October at three different festivals, and um, Tacoma Film Festival, Social Justice Film Festival, the Latino Film Festival, and it just received an award, the award, at the Free Free Speech Film Festival in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It is the the award-winning documentary for their festival for that year. So it will be screening there in November 15th. And I'm still waiting back from another a number of other festivals. Um, and then from there, I'm looking at getting distribution rights for that and, and hopes, again, that it gets out there and it gets to the UN and the UN sees what's going on. And, you know, someone approached me at the Social World Film Festival and said, well, you know, people know what's going on in Cuba. And why do you think no. getting this information out there is going to make a difference? And, yeah, maybe some people do know, but people knew the injustices that were happening in the 1950s and 60s in the black community. And it wasn't until um, they took to the streets and they protested and got it out into the media that we started seeing change happening in our laws and in government. And I think that we have forgotten the power 
if you make that comment of how powerful film is and how powerful the media is. And when we take a stance together and we come together, we are up in the oceans and we can make change. And we, but we have to demand it. And getting it out there in the public eye and the media covering it is one way to do it. So. Exactly. Well said. Thank you so much. And, uh, and Clara and I both really appreciate the work you're doing. I mean, it's amazing. Your whole life seems to be around a community and voices and sharing voices through community and through outreach. Uh, you, you are definitely dedicated to the voiceless, Melinda. And thank you for that. That's a great dedication. Thank you, Carol and Claire, for having me on the show and for your work and what you're doing from the Hearts Production and, and supporting these filmmakers. It's, 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 I can't, I'll speak for myself. It is nourishment from the soul when you have an organization that really cares about these filmmakers and want to financially support them, but also give them means beyond finance in, in showing them what opportunities are out there to get their films out there. Um, it lifts our soul and it keeps us going. So thank you for your work that you're doing. It is so important. And let's have a conversation off the air and figuring out how we can come and collaborate together and, and make this make our efforts even stronger for these documentary filmmakers. Oh, definitely. What fun that will be. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. Uh, And thank you for sharing your passion. We need that. It's like you're like our cheerleader, Melinda. (laughs) Right. And uh, Melinda, I I have to say, Melinda, your your passion and your heart is contagious. So just keep it going. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. It helps me, really. It does. It gives me, like I said, nourishment to my soul. It gives me that fuel to keep going. So thank you, ladies. I appreciate Great. your kind words in, in this interview. Well, no, you are appreciated. And uh, I will get an appointment with you, and we'll take off together and try to get some things screened and share more information through communities. This is what you're doing. Uh, It should be expanded. It should be expanded. Thank you very much. Thank you both. I appreciate being on the show today. You take care. Okay. Lots of good luck. Thank you, Claire. Yes, as always. It's a pleasure. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Be well, everyone. Bye. Bye. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice. Fair use successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. 
That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.